0: Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. I like that song, The Sun's Coming Up in the Morning. Praise God. Whenever I'm on a platform, I love to sit where I can see Mrs. Burr. We, uh, <laughs> that's right, children. I hadn't lost it. Amen. I still got it. <laughs> we, uh, we walked in this morning out here and Brother Bill, looked down and he said well here come the two lovebirds amen I can still remember that day when I walked down the aisle of that bus hey day in the morning I had and uh, I had on those uh, uh, white short-sleeved shirt and black pistol-legged trousers and white buck shoes and I walked by her and whoo my heart started flipping amen been doing that ever since, and uh, I fell in love now I know brother Hiles, brother scump all the folk around here say they just say you don't fall in love it's something you do purposefully amen but i didn't know that i didn't wasn't, didn't know <laughs> there wasn't any Hiles Anderson I just fell head over heels in love with her amen and I'll tell you something else don't you do this and uh, it'd be good if you didn't even listen right now but I <laughs> I, they, they didn't have this school then, but I was, uh, I was uh, uh, in the Navy, had on no civilian clothes, but I was in the Navy, and I uh, spent uh, time overseas. I knew her, but I spent three months of the time overseas. I knew her six months. I dated her. I saw her six times and married her. Now, that's not good advice. Don't you do that. Amen. You have, have a long courtship, counsel with the pastor and all the staff here and all that, and uh, make sure you get the right one. But I'll tell you what, I must have. It's lasted uh, almost 48 years now. The Lord's been good to me. Brother Miller over here has just about the same number of years in. And I'll tell you, Ms. Miller, he said a while ago, he said he knew you. Don't, don't mess with her. No, if you know Ms. Miller, don't mess with her man, amen. <laughs> you better you better not look at Brother Miller straight. I'll tell you right now, ladies, you don't want to do that. She'll, <laughs> she'll clean your plow. <laughs> but uh <laughs> not good to relax and enjoy yourselves? Amen. I think back to those good days at Tennessee Temple years ago when it was a great school, great school, And uh, the spirit in those chapel programs were just services, just just like this. Amen. And I enjoyed it so much. And Dr. Robinson put a little fire in my bones back in those days. And Brother Howes come along, heat coals on that. And uh, it's hard for me to burn out. God's trying to take me home, I guess, but it's hard to put out the fire here. You know, and I I, uh, I, like that. I want to live as long as I can. I love to come over here. I love this school. I love you. I'm every student. I love you. And it makes me feel young when I come over here. Get your Bible out now to John chapter number 14, please, if you will. I run with some great preachers I associate I should say with some good men of God you're going to hear them this week I started singing with them oh it been a long time ago we traveled with brother house for 11 years I think and I led the singing and then they started letting me allowing me to preach some and now I get to preach with them I thank God for that I know I'm not worthy to stand here but I uh I'm honored to be behind this pulpit today. Some great, great men have preached here. And I thank the Lord to be just associated with these men. Now, would you stand with me, please? John chapter 14. I'm going to put my Howell's Anderson ring on. Amen. I had it in my pocket and uh, I wear it all the time. My brother Scott gave me that. I could never afford one. I bought them for my children, but I couldn't afford one. And one day he called me into the office several years ago and he said, I've got something for you. And he gave me that ring. And I'm proud of it. Amen. John 14, verse number 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Amen. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. You may be seated. Our Father, it warms my heart. To know this morning that you actually dwell inside of me, and inside of those who are saved in this room this morning, and they're counted as your children, your they're precious to you. And Lord, I pray that you would be in this service. I, I felt your presence already this morning, and I pray that it might continue the sweet, blessed fellowship and. With the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I think about those disciples with Jesus, it must have been a wonderful, marvelous experience to live every day of your life in the presence. I mean, the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's unimaginable. He was always there. What a blessing. No matter what they faced. Jesus. Was always present. With them. They. Uh, everywhere they went. Most of the time. He was with them. Any problem. That arose. Jesus was there. To take care. Of their problem any trouble that came to face them, Jesus was right there with them. And he'd take care of it in all things. He spoke sweet peace to their heart. That's hard to imagine. You go to bed at night and Jesus is there with you. I mean, physically, he's with us, but I mean, you can reach out and touch him. He was there. You get up in the morning, first person you saw was Jesus, the Son of God. He he was right there with them. But now in John 14, they're in the upper room just preceding Calvary. And uh, Jesus was telling them that he was going to die. He said, fellas, I'm, I've got to go away. He said, I won't be with you anymore. Can you imagine? I mean, just like, just like a dart. It went straight to their heart. They were so sad. They, they were, they were just filled with sorrow. They couldn't understand what he was saying. You see, he's the son of God. And they couldn't understand. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. And when he looked out, he saw the sorrow that had filled their heart. I imagine they begin to look at one another and ask the question, what what are we going to do? What are we going to do if he leaves us? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to teach us? Who's going to bring comfort to us when we need it? Who's going to l- just love us with, with an exceeding great love that no man has ever had for anyone like Jesus? What are we going to do? There's a song came to me the other day. I, I've never sung it. But I asked Mrs. Burr, I said, "Will you go look this song up for me. I want to see it. I want to see the words of it and i looked at it it says in life's dark and bitter hour love will still prevail prevail trust is everlasting power jesus will not fail jesus never fails jesus never fails heaven and earth may pass away but jesus never fails it seemed that at this hour Jesus would be the one that Brother Miller that needed to be comforted he was the one that was facing death so it looks like he would be the one that, that needed the comfort but no at this hour just as in every other hour Jesus always thought of others and not himself. When he saw their sorrow, their weeping and crying and disturbance, Jesus said to them, you can read it in your Bible when you go home today. It's very, some of the sweetest scripture in the world. It says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, listen. He said, I'm going back to the Father, but don't you worry. Don't you worry. Don't you be concerned. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter. And he didn't say that I'm going to give you a comforter that's going to be almost as good as I am. No, he told them and it was there for us, my friend. He said when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll be well qualified to do the job once he arrives. The Holy Spirit is equal to God the Father and God the Son in every respect many years in my life i could pray and i think sometimes you may have the same problem i I had no trouble praying oh our father in heaven i mean i get i get a hard place my heart would get warmed and i'd say oh father in heaven sometime when i was facing great great difficulty Maybe in my church, I had problems that were just overwhelming. And I'd get on my face and I'd say, oh, Lord Jesus. But for years, I kind of ignored the Spirit of God. Oh, I knew He was there. I knew His presence in my life. I knew that when I was talking many times that, I could hear a still, small voice, and I knew that was the Holy Ghost. I want you to know this morning, there come a time in my life when I could say, oh, dear, sweet Holy Spirit, please come, hover around me and help me and lead me and guide me and direct me, teach me in all things, make me love, folks. The Holy Spirit is very real. Suppose I'd walked in with my wife this morning and she was kind of walking behind me and she does that because if she walks in front of me, she walks too fast and my heart won't take it. Sometimes we we were out in the shopping center one day and man, she, she gets in around, around the stores. There's something happens to her. I mean, whoo, she's just gone everywhere. And she would just whipping it through the shopping center. And I was breathing heavy, and I said, heal. <laughs> she didn't like that. <laughs> but uh, suppose I'd walked in with her this morning, and Brother Bill had greeted us at the front door, and he said, uh, Where's Patsy? And I said, Oh, it's coming. <laughs> now, she's not an it. The spirit of God is not an it. What if what if somebody what brother Miller walked in and I said, "Well, thank God, it's here." Amen. No, he's brother Miller. Never refer, never refer to the spirit of God as an it. He isn't just something that some kind of ethereal spirit that just emanates from God or. Flows from God. He's real. He's real. You live long enough on this earth. Most of my preaching, the older I get, is sort of like testifying. When I was your age and maybe a little bit older, when I was in my thirties, forties, I had so much strength. And I thought I had the world by the tail. And everything was just coming up roses in my life. On through the 50s. And I I just, I was traveling and having a wonderful time. And just preaching and singing. And then when I hit 60, I had open heart surgery. That'll make you stop and think. Then I had... uh, Prostate cancer for a man that's just as dreadful as for a lady that thinks about breast cancer. My daughter's been through that. Prostate cancer will take you out of this world in a hurry. That's what happened to my friend Curtis Hudson. Brother Johnny Stansel sat with me and talked to me about that. He was the one that the family called, and Brother Hudson, he said, I want Johnny, I want Johnny to come and take care of me. And Johnny came over, and he was the one that would take care of his, his bathing and taking him to the restroom and caring for him. And Johnny told me all of that, and he said, "I, I don't want you to die like that, Brother Bill. I don't want to die like that either. But then a little later on, colon cancer came my way. That's been the big battle. I can't seem to get to a place where they say we've got it all and it's not coming back. The doctor looked at me and said, you have an incurable disease. That word terminal. He said, Mr. Burr, this is going to eventually take you out of this world. He said, you're terminal. I didn't say it. Curtis Hudson told his doctor. He said, so are you, Doc. Amen. We're all terminal. But there's nothing like cancer to humble you and make you realize how fragile your life is. And I remember the night that I sat in my chair and the sweet and blessed Holy Ghost that I'm talking about this morning came there. He spent the night with Brother Bill. His spirit just just lingered in the room with me. I had an experience with God that night as other people should be enviable of it. I've known his presence, but not quite like that night. He's a very real person. He has a name. He's the Holy Spirit. We baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. He's a very real person. Sometimes when we use a benediction that we get from the Bible, the blessing that's bestowed upon the congregation, sometimes we use, or we do use the name of God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He's a very real, real person this morning. Knowledge is ascribed to the spirit he's real the bible says the things of god knoweth no man turn with me in your bible to first corinthians if you will first corinthians chapter number two please verse number 10 but god hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea, the deep things of god For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Knowledge is ascribed to him. Listen to me. You sit in your classroom and you listen to your instructors. To those men who had prepared themselves to stand before you and to teach you the word of God. I appreciate what I got at Tennessee Temple years ago. I got a good, firm foundation in doctrinal truth. Amen. Was taught that in the 60s back at Tennessee Temple. But the most important thing that a man ever taught me. Bruce Lackey told me one day, he said, Brother Bill, you're going to leave this place. He said, what I want you to do is, I can't go with you. Oh, you can take my notes. He said, but I can't go with you. He said, when you read the Word of God, depend upon the Holy Ghost to reveal truth to you. When you read it, you know, a lot of you, you say, Well, I, I read the Bible, Brother Burr, but I can't understand it. There's so much in that that I just don't understand. There's a verse here that says, But the natural man, you better check up on your salvation if you can't understand the Word of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are a foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Because they're spiritually discerned. When you read this Bible, you ask God, the Holy Ghost, to lead you and direct you in everything. And he'll do it. Will is ascribed to the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12 mentions many, many gifts that God gives to certain men. And those gifts are mentioned there in chapter number 12. Talks about the word of wisdom. Talks about knowledge and faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds, diverse kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. And then verse number 11 says but all these work at that one in the self same spirit dividing every man severally as he will god has certain gifts that he gives to certain men and the spirit is the one that 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 gives them divides them and gives those gifts so he Will is ascribed to him. Mind, the functioning of a mind is ascribed to the Spirit of God. Turn to Romans chapter number 8, please. It's an amazing thing to me that most of my Schofield Bibles have always worn out and fall apart. Around Romans chapter number eight. Amazing thing. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. It says that the Spirit Maketh intercessions, he searcheth the hearts, and knoweth what is the mind of the spirit. My daughter, back in I guess about nineteen hundred and as I can't remember these dates, when I guess it was in the early seventies at Mary Beth we took her to the medical college of Virginia. My daughter was born, she had seizures. She's just a little girl and back in those days. And we took her there, and she was on medication. And we told the doctors, said, now you be careful how much medication you give her because she's already on medication. We don't want to put her in, into a coma or anything like that. And that nurse was listening to us, but she wasn't phased at all. And she just went ahead with all that injection and just poured it into my daughter and immediately she had a seizure and went into a coma. Mrs. Bird and I went outside the room and we stood there anxiously waiting. One of these days you'll get, ma- you'll get married and you'll have a child. I'm not saying it'll happen to you. My other three children are just perfectly healthy. But this one was very sick at the time. She was born having seizures, and she had them all the early part of her life up until the time she was married, and God took them away. But we stood that day in the hallway. They came rushing out with her on a stretcher, and they said, we're taking her over to the main hospital, which was across the street. He said, if something doesn't happen... In less than an hour, we'll put her on life support. She's just about to die. I had a man with me. His name was Ernest Schools. He's a very good man. I said, Ernest, we, we got to pray. I don't know what floor it was on, one of the higher floors in the hospital. But I went there and got on my knees before God in the chapel. Brother Vepersen, I I couldn't talk. I couldn't say a word. I was so filled up that I just I just couldn't talk. All I could say was I, I just kept saying it over and over. I'd say, oh God. I want to say, help me. I want to say, my little girl needs you. I, I couldn't say anything. I just kept saying, oh God. Oh God. Oh, God. But the Spirit of God, it says He makes intercession for us. The Spirit of God knew what was in my heart. He knew what I wanted to say and could not verbalize that day. And the Spirit of God rushed to the Father. And he said, this is what your child needs. This is what he's trying to tell you. And all of a sudden, so quickly, I knew it. I knew it. I knew that God had touched my daughter. I got up off my knees. I said, Ernest, everything's all right. He said, yeah, I believe it is. We walked out. The elevator door opened and an attendant was searching for us and said, come quickly. Your daughter is fine. And I bowed my heart right there and said, thank you. Thank you, dear spirit of God. Thank you for what you did. Power is ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Bible says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may, may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something, young men, you are a call to preach. You might be able to go out of here and build your business. You may be able to go out of here and build a hamburger joint. Nothing wrong with that. You may be able to sell insurance. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you something. You'll never build anything for God unless you have the power of God on your life. Are you listening to me? You won't do it. You won't do it. You'll, You'll turn aside You'll get caught up in the things of this world. Or you'll get caught up in some kind of false teaching that you listen to. You better be careful what you read. You better be careful what you read. A lot of things, a lot of strange things coming out today. You'll get caught up in all of that. You may get caught up in hyper-Calvinism if you're not careful that's usually the result of intellectualism it leads in that direction what i'm trying to tell you is you better get along with god somewhere and say oh god i need you you must come i must have you i must have your power in my life or you'll fail boy time flies when you're having fun amen I'll be through in just a minute. I don't have time to preach all this. I wish I did. The Holy Spirit is shown to be God by three divine works, at least three. Only God can create. The word create means to bring something out of nothing. I mean, the Bible says the Spirit in Job 33 and verse number 4, Elihu says, the Spirit of God hath made me. Are you listening to me? Way back there in the beginning, God Almighty reached down in the dust of this earth and He brought something out of nothing. Are you listening to me? He molded and shaped and formed a man. And then something happened. God, the Holy Ghost. You see, spirit means... Breath, and the Bible says that he, God, the Holy Spirit, he breathed into man, into his nostrils. Can you imagine that? I mean, God Almighty up in heaven leaned down over the man that he had formed and shaped and got, got right in his face. He was dead. He couldn't move. He couldn't function. And God got right in his face and he said, and he breathed into him the breath of life. I'm so glad I'm alive this morning. Amen. I'm so glad. Only God can be the author of divine prophecies. Are you listening? Take that Bible you got in your hand, King James Bible. Hold it up in the air right now. Every one of you got a Bible this morning, hold it up. Hold it up high. Hold it up there. Shake it in the face of the devil. That's God's word. Put it down. None other word other than that. You say, where did we get it? Well, the Bible tells us this. It plainly says, for the prophecy came not. In old time, by the will of man. But, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, as they were were literally pushed along. You say, you believe in that kind of inspiration? Yeah. Yeah. Brother, you mean you believe in The very words of God, not just the thought of God, but the very words. Yeah, that's what I believe. He said, John, I want you to write this down. Yes, sir. For, for God, God, so, so loved, loved. You, You believe in that kind of inspiration? Yes, I do. I believe holy men of old were moved, pushed along by the Holy Ghost, and they wrote exactly what God said for them to write. I said a few moments ago, I'm glad I'm alive. I'm glad that I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. You say you're filled all the time, He indwells me all the time. But before I came over here, I finished up preaching last night and I went home, I lay in my bed and I said, Oh God, help me tomorrow. I have to stand before eager, longing, hungry young people that are facing days that I almost want to throw my hands up, time, up sometime in, in despair and wonder what's going to happen When my little 8-year-old Isaac, when my little 10-year-old Rebecca and all of my grandchildren wonder what it's going to be like when they grow up. You face difficult times. I grew up through a happy time. I grew up in the 40s and the 50s. They were hard times financially, but they were good times, Brother John. Happy. These are disturbed days that we live in. I mean, it looked like heathen people today. I see beautiful young ladies that have all kinds of things hooked in their nose, in their tongues, and in their lips. Ears. Difficult days you live in. Nakedness on every hand. Everywhere you go, men you're gonna be confronted with that. I'm glad I'm alive. But you listen to me. Miss <laughs> Burr said, Wonder why I got you preaching first? I said, Well, I uh, don't know. Wonder why I got you preaching graduation. I would have much rather heard Brother Vapor saying, Brother Miller. Brother Haynes, Brother Anderson, men like that, talented men, used of God. She said, I wonder why they chose you. I said, well, they probably think this might be my last year. I don't know how many more years God has for me. But one of the highest honors I have is to get up in the morning and come over here and lead the singing. And hear you sing that chorus I love, I think we'll do it again Friday. Everything's all right in my Father's house. I love to hear you sing that. That's one of the greatest privileges I have. I don't know how long I'll have, but I'll tell you this. I intend by the grace of God and the Spirit of God that lives inside of me. To live every day to the very fullest. God bless you children. I love you. Amen.